0: Hello, hello and welcome to another episode of Shedcast, brought to you by Putting It Together and the Sheddenborough Fringe Festival. My name is Brian O'Sullivan, I'm back with you, I'm delighted to be back with you. Today is, um, for me, quite a special episode. I don't like to single people out, really. Um, we've done a lot of episodes, we're uh, over 220 episodes into this project, if you want to call it that now. Um, but, you know, when I set out to start doing this, there were a few names on... A list in my head, let's say, um, of people that I would love one day to interview, and I've got to tell you that today's guest was one of those names. He was right at the top, in fact. Simon Callow has been um, a bit of a a bit of a theatrical hero of mine for a long time, um, particularly his his approach to one person plays, which is a a genre that I'm really interested in that I'm trying to write in um, and that I've followed him um, in his exponency of uh, since I was oh, in my teens. So to get a chance to watch his show at Sheddenborough but not just that, to, to meet the man, to have a chat, to record some of that chat and to bring it to you today is um, nothing short of amazing for me. It's hard for me to I don't really have words, (laughs) so I'm not going to blab on about trying to explain to you what it meant to me. Um, I just want to bring you the interview, and I also want to note, kind of for myself actually, that sitting doing that interview, um, for a change, and maybe this is progress, but for a change, I noticed that I wasn't trying to capture it in my head, to say, this is really important, you must remember it forever, or to make it anything that it wasn't, to make it bigger or smaller than it was. Um, I just kind of did it and enjoyed it and knew that it was going to be transient and soon that would be over and that's okay. Um, It didn't mean that, you know, me and Big Simon are going to be best mates forever or anything like that. You know, like you do when you're young, you think, oh, I've met this person and now maybe we can be pals and we can meet up. No, we met for the interview and we just it just was what it was and it was a great time and I'm really delighted um, that I got to do it and I'm really delighted that you get to share it with me. So, I hope you got a chance to see Simon's show being an actor 50 years on last night and uh, if you didn't, it's still certainly worth having a wee listen here because really I wanted to ask him about many, many things and we had a limited amount of time of course but um, I think the conversation stands um, stands up anyway, even if you haven't seen the show. So it's certainly worth having a wee listen. It's one that I'll treasure for a long time, and uh, yeah, the whole experience is the same. So um, I hope that you've been enjoying Sheddenborough. Remember that uh, there are a couple of shows left tonight: Robert softly, if these spasms could speak, and uh, I think it's is it tomorrow? Yes. Tomorrow, Monday the 30th, is Mediocre White Male, Will Close and Joe Von Malachowski. Malachowski? Not quite sure. Um, But yes, that was a late addition to the schedule, so that's interesting. Um, The copy reads, A statue rises, a narrative falls apart, a tragic comedy about ancient history, recent past and present lies. And what a brilliant image, by the way. Um, You can get information on all these shows. And all the Shedcast episodes and various other things, including free ShedX talks on shedinburgh.com. Um So we've only two more shows left, but all the ShedX talks are up. And there are a couple of shows that are actually available for restream, uh, which I'm just looking here are. The best of the Mark Thomas comedy product, which was way at the beginning, "Lemons, Lemons, 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 Lemons," a great play and a really cool reading of it. And "Bottleneck," Luke Barnes and "Bottleneck." Oh, and there's a couple more here. "Love Letters to the Public Transport System" is getting restreamed, uh, only until tomorrow. And "Iphigenia in Splot is being restreamed until tomorrow. A tremendous show. So. Have a wee look at Sheddenborough.com. You can get tickets for the the new shows that are still to come, which is tonight and tomorrow. And you can look at the restreams, which are available until tomorrow also. So it's a short-term thing, um, but definitely worth having a look. And you know what? The tickets aren't even expensive. And a load of that money is going into the Shedload of Future Fund to help future artists make it to the fringe. Because as we know, it's an expensive business and... Uh, The money that's being made is very seldom going into the pockets of the artists involved. It seems to be going into the pockets of venues, bars, restaurants and hotels and, uh, and rentals, you know, of property. So what about some of that going to the artists or what about those artists being given a hand to be part of this? It is a wonderful thing, the Fringe, and this year has been possibly my best ever um weirdly and you know I've been doing a show over at multi-story um we just finished today and uh yeah it's been it's been amazing weirdly because of partly because of there being less stuff there being a bit more space not just literally but also figuratively space around things space between shows less running about crazy um but also the hybrid have been able to do a kind of a live Fringe, but also still be involved in Sheddenborough in its second year. Um, it's been a great month. And this is a big highlight of it. A, a perfect cherry on the cake, if you will. My chance to meet and interview the wonderful Simon Callow. So it's time for my guest of the day. It's Simon Callow and he's with me and we are Putting It Together.
1: with here um, Johnny Grieve Wally Carr, Ricky Fulton were all in the show you know? I was
0: mad for Ricky Fulton oh, growing fantastic. up
1: and in, in the show you say never was seen sick wind or water except perhaps at Portobello <laughs> 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 his own <laughs> that's great interpretation uh, inter- interpolation I mean
0: there was a there was a bit in one of the, the documentaries about him where he was giving the witch a telling off he was the dame. I'm sick of you. I'm sick of your spells and another thing. Because she was looking right down on him. What? I can see right up your nose. <laughs> <laughs> he taught me a lot, you know. I was watching him when I was a kid, and I didn't know, I didn't know why he was funny, but I knew he was funny. Yeah. yeah. You know, because I didn't understand the material, but yeah. Yeah, he was great. So tell me about where this show came from. What was what was the impetus for this? Well,
1: I I I have always been fascinated by acting long 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 before i became an actor there was any fantasy or dream even that i might become one one day there was something about acting as such that just mesmerized me and uh i i as it happens I, i became an actor and as soon as i became an actor and became part of that world i was irresistibly impelled to write about it because I mean, I'd, my ambition was always in life to be an, a writer. Nothing to do with being a, an actor at all. I wanted to be a writer. And, uh, of course, then these two things came together uh, very happily for me because now I had a fantastic subject because I was I could uh, witness uh, firsthand the, this phenomenon that I'd been, and then, of course, I went to drama school and, and, and I uh, learned so much about it and about myself and um, I found it irresistible uh, to, 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 to write about it. And uh, in so doing, I, I, I had the idea that I would write about what it was like to be an actor, because people are very interested in that. What is it like to be an actor? How do you remember all those lines? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, those questions. And so I, uh, I thought very hard about it and, I, and, I, and I, I wrote the book, the book called Being an Actor. And then I wrote a um, did a second edition of it and co- took it up to date. But I realized, and then there's a book called life, uh, uh, My Life in Pieces, which is a compilation of lots of things I've written, mostly about acting and actors. And um, it suddenly struck me as so obvious that I should do a show ab- about acting. Not, not, not really about my life, but of course it will be about the parts that I've played and how I came to play them and how in some cases i did them so badly and in some cases i did them a bit better and sometimes very occasionally i did them very well and so <laughs> i i i i just very am very loosely and this is a real trial run and uh, I, I don't know how it's going to really how it, uh, how it really was going to work you know um but people seem interested and uh, uh, um that's all i ask um laurence olivier once said and because uh, laurence olivier was my absolute hero as an actor um, alongside Charles Lawton, when I was uh, young, and then, then uh, when I got older, I, I, I got a different hero, which was Paul Schofield. But Laurence Olivier said that the whole of his career was simply an attempt to interest the public in the art of acting. And uh, I, especially when I was younger, thought I, I agreed with that absolutely. And and I I I I, 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 I do think this. Something very fascinating and quite deep, and sometimes a bit mysterious, about acting, its power and its um, capacity to move, and its capacity to embed itself in the memories and imaginations of people who see it. So, that, that that's really. So, I, I'm looking first of all at but because it's the only way can usefully do things is to look at acting in my life and my fascination with acting as a child. My um, uh, uh, uncontrollable exhibitionism as a child. Uh, <laughs> That's a good phrase. And um, uh, when I, it, it finally turned out that that I, I was able to be a, a uh, oh, no, actually, even before that, well, really the first acting I did, was, I, I never acted at drama school. Uh, I never acted at university. Oh, stop, let me start again. Never acted at school. There were no school plays in my school mm. at all. Weird, but uh, we must be the only school in the whole country, and I ended up in it. Uh, no school plays. And so um, it, when I first acted was, was when I went to university. And, of course, I, I didn't know what an... Earth, I was doing, and, and 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 when I was given the part of Trigorin in the um, Seagull, largely on the basis of my having been a clerk in the box office of the Old Vic Theatre, um, I, I just knew how absolutely dreadful I was, and this was <laughs> not good acting. And then I then I determined then I determined to leave university and go to drama school, which I did a year later, and um, I uh, so so I, I then discovered at this really remarkable drama school that I went to. First of all, I mean I I really had a lot of problems as an actor, really terrible terrible problems, and uh, which led to me nearly being thrown out all the time, and. Uh, and then suddenly i had an extraordinary breakthrough in the middle of all that and then i thought oh yeah i see i see i get it i get it, I get it. it's not something you're you're doing doing acting it's something that happens within you mm. and uh you have to embed it inside you and then it comes back up again. And I just sort of understood it. All the time I was thinking it's me, I'm, I'm standing in front of the audience, I'm telling them this, I'm telling them that. But no, what your job is to give birth to the character and let the character begin to assert himself. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, so so that that's part of what I'll be talking about and then... Sometimes I'll be talking about um, uh, actors that I've worked with, actors that I've directed, and so on. And then sometimes I'll I'll just write a talk about I've talked about I've talked about ca- characters that I uh, have played, and mm-hmm. and we'll see we've seen sort of how, how that goes. Um, <clears throat> and of course, in the end, as you know, I have come to no conclusions. <laughs> but I hope we'll have gone for a long walk around and the. The thing is that it it's important that this event was theatrical. I, I didn't want to give a lecture. I do not want to give an after dinner talk. Mm. That it is in some sense of the theatre and belongs to. And that I hope will develop more as time goes on. Um, Ian McKellen ha, has a rather marvelous show that he does, uh, which is. Not dissimilar, but 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 because of our lives having been so different, his his extraordinary career in the theatre having been so different from my much less extraordinary career, and 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 his <coughs> attitude and and his relationship to acting being so different to mine, I, I think they're very 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 different sorts of shows. But that's in itself quite illuminating. I hope.
0: Yeah, and and is the idea <coughs> that this would, this would uh, go and have another life beyond the shed. Oh my God! Yes, this is the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah this yeah.
1: is the here. The seed is being sown. Yeah, yeah. And I hope it'll grow and flourish.
0: So, t- back up and down the country, maybe. Who knows? Yeah.
1: Around the world. We hope so. <laughs> Join <laughs> Elon Musk in. You
0: could go in space. yeah. <laughs> you could be the first, <laughs> the first one man show in space. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, he will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. It's a production, all right. So, um, I remember <clears> you saying. About the the mystery of Charles Dickens, which was a big favourite of mine when I was much younger, that that we didn't feel as if we we, we weren't going to meet Dickens, but that we might get the sense that we spent some time in his presence or in his head or something.
1: Yeah, that that well, that would be right. Uh, I I wanted in that show um, to uh, Dickens is 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 the most theatrical of novelists, and uh, and I wanted to. Given sense of uh, how theatre informed everything in his
0: life. He wanted to be an actor. He was an actor. Yeah, right, one, right, right. A great one. It's indeed. sort of the inverse of, of you wanting to be a writer. And yeah,
1: yeah, yes, quite, exactly. He he, he would have been, uh, uh, I, I think, uh, you know, literary history would have been somewhat different if he'd um, passed the audition that he was going to do with Charles Keane mm. when he was 20. Uh, and uh, for we can only imagine psychosomatic reasons he didn't mm. he, he got a severe pain on the s- left side of his face when he went to do the audition and
0: uh, that's so interesting
1: and then he, then he went off and, and, and his uncle asked him to become a parliamentary reporter and he did and of course the moment he started to put pen to page even on boring parliamentary reports you know he he it's something stirred very deeply within him and and, and he did but then he never forgot acting he always wanted to go back to acting acting was 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 the great release for him and of course the great connection for him with people with other people and that that was the the best i mean he was a great communicator at every level at all times but his greatest satisfaction in life was to feel that he'd contacted his readers Personally,
0: that relationship between yeah. himself and the audience. Yeah, 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 you seem to have had a a fascination. It's probably fair to say with these these iconic writers and, and actors, Wells as well. You've written extensively about Wells. What's the is that linked to your to your fascination with the craft of acting? This this deep study of these individuals.
1: Yeah, it is very closely linked, and of course. Um, it's anu- additionally it's to do with my fascination with personality, mm. and what on earth that means, and how that works. Uh, I had, for example, a grandmother who was a tremendous personality. She 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 had an extraordinary um, charm about her, and. Uh, a, 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 a vivacity and um a, 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 a really um uncommon ch- charisma i suppose is what we would call it uh she had the most beautiful voice too and um i i, I that 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 was theater for me that was probably the first theater and she had this tremendous she wasn't particularly brilliant woman a clever woman or or a successful woman even uh, um, uh, uh, in the many jobs that she'd done but she had a spellbinding quality which everybody knew and she was a wonderful hostess of parties and things like that and um and to her personality was everything. And if people had what she called no personality, she was just <laughs> so scathing
0: about them. <laughs> that was the worst crime. Yes.
1: Oh well, right. darling. You know, just no personality. <laughs> and uh, um, so I was very taken by this idea of personality, and, and and it's a bit confusing when you're growing up because who are you? Who are you going to be? And what is personality? Is it something? Is it something you learn? Is it something you adopt? And uh, or, or what? And of course it is all of those things, but also it, it presumably has to be grounded in something within you, you know. And uh, um, so when you talk about people like Lawrence Olivier or Charles Lawton or uh, uh, equally Dickens, as you say, or Wells or, or Wagner, about whom I've also written, mm. then you really are talking about personality on a monumental scale. You're talking about kind of megawatts of personality, of such charisma that it's Completely overwhelming to to people. And that, of course, is a big part of acting, is that that there's something inherently fascinating about you. And and what I once wrote, I think, uh, is that um, there was a a bit of a sea change in our view of acting, uh, starting in the 1960s, where the important thing was that you should be real and that you should be like everybody else
0: mm-hmm. as an actor. And Hithy- we mustn't see the strings. Yes. Or the work or whatever. Yes, exactly,
1: yeah. but also the presentation was, was and it was all about something f- almost photographic, you know, realism, whereas what I'd always thought was that actors should be Unlike everybody else, should be extraordinary and rather exotic creatures, and just as in a zoo you go and see them and you say, "Oh my God, look! <laughs> yeah. that, that, that crocodile looks just exactly like Uncle Fred." <laughs> <And> that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what you f- should feel in the theatre, I think, when you, you, you see, you, you think, "My God, this is a, 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 a this character that I'm being introduced to is is beyond." Anything I've really met in real life, but but how fascinating and how actually like that some people are—they have elements of that, and that's very extraordinary and fascinating. So it's exactly like what a painter does when she or he does a portrait of somebody. You enhance it if you're, you know, David Hockney uh, doing portraits, or if you're Rembrandt doing a portrait. You you take what is there some sort of raw material, and you you develop and and, and, and change it until it becomes utterly fascinating and compelling, and that sort of seemed Mm -hmm. to be part of what acting should be. So that's that's an idea of acting, but as you say, that links up, because biography was the thing that fascinated me as a child, utterly fascinated me. I read biographies. As soon as I could read, I started reading biographies.
0: You know, it's interesting. You talk about personality, I, I know exactly what you, you mean. And I suppose one of the things, it can't be ignored that Simon Callow is a personality now. I mean, not that you weren't at some point, but yeah. uh, you know, uh, me, I'm a young actor and and I just, you know, am and then I disappear. Yeah, yeah, But you don't have that maybe luxury, depends what you want to call it. Do you find that, do you notice that? And does it change how you work as an actor? Because you, you know, when you walk into a room here now, there's um, here comes Simon Callow. Yes. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, Maybe that's just me. I don't know. No, no.
1: I, 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 I'm aware of what you, what you mean. I mean, I am a, a, an identifiable quantity, as it were. Mm. Uh, well, it, it's that's great. I mean, how, how lovely and people sort of, on the whole, warm to it and so on. Um, but it's a bit of a drawback for me as an actor. Yeah. Because I have to dismantle, because I'm not, and never have been, the sort of actor that wanted, when I admire actors like this very much, you say Cary Grant would be an example of one, uh, or Denham Elliott, where where you do sort of quite subtle variations on yourself constantly as you come to different
0: parts. Or like a Jack Nicholson situation where there's always the glasses and that kind of vibe, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Whereas I was always always interested in transformation. And how far can you go away from who you are, but remain true, you know, not just put on a a, a face, mm. a mask, makeup, whatever, but actually go within yourself. And and uh, I was completely fascinated, I, I used to know Alec Guinness quite well, and, and Alec was astonishing in that he could really transform himself so as you wouldn't necessarily even recognize him if you saw him in the street. And I remember him giving a really wonderful performance as Shylock, I mean, absolutely wonderful. Extraordinary performance. He became like a wailing wall himself. Mm. just. this Experience of oppression was everywhere with him, and he just changed. His face was completely different, and so I went back to see him afterwards, as we had agreed. And he said, um, "Now he said I'll uh, I'll show you my extensive makeup." And he was wearing a wig, of course. So he said, "Wig, half an eyebrow here, yeah, half an eyebrow there," <laughs> and. Around his own beard, but he'd added in something there, just there, like that, which had had an effect on the cheekbones, which made him look much more gaunt. Boom, boom, and there you are. <laughs> that was Charlotte. it. Gone. Yeah. And it was absolutely extraordinary. He did, and he stood before me as Alan Guinness, and minutes before he'd stood before me as a different person. That, that was extraordinary, absolutely
0: so remarkable. The reality is then that that it wasn't about the eyebrows, and that you know, of course, it's what he was it doing. Was
1: in a thing, whereas Larry Olivier didn't. He he did, but then what happened to him was that he did did, 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 put another face onto his own face. He then saw that face in the mirror and became it, whereas Alec uh, worked differently, and and, uh, Schofield was the same. Schofield just planted a seed and just waited for it to grow and take him over completely, you know? Mm. And that, that's all remarkable, but other actors are completely different, totally, totally, totally different, you know, actors we really ad- admire. Um, um, as I say, carry Grant to something completely different. Um, and even among his fellow actors, Ralph Richardson, for example, was a, was a man who didn't transform at all, really, as far as I can make out, not at all. And he had a very idiosyncratic manner of speaking and being but he was able to hit on truth in a way that was just like a
0: dentist hitting a nerve,
1: you know, it just went, oh, mm. that is so true.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's this comes at, you know, and after a long line of one-person performances that you've given, it's becoming a bit of a trademark, I suppose we could say. I've seen you do a lot of one-person yeah, performances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, does that form? Does that form it obviously appeals to you in some very special way? What is it?
1: Massively, I I love I love the the art of the one person play, and I, it came about like this. I, I was uh, uh, doing I was in a production of The Alchemist, which I didn't care for the production very much, but by God, I hated the play. I came to detest that play and I I hated Ben Johnson and I I always get a feeling of the writer when I'm doing a play and I had a feeling of this unbelievably opinionated, self-satisfied, misanthropic and boastful (laughs) figure who used language in order to impress his fellow writers rather than to communicate things to the audience. Brilliant, unquestionably, but absolutely mm. cold and heartless. I couldn't bear it. And I thought, I, just, I think I've just lost it with acting. I just don't, I mean, because this is the part which is famous. Face, you know, is supposed to be one of the great, great, great parts in world literature and so on. i just get nothing from it. Couldn't bring anything to it of any merit, whatever. And then at that point, uh, somebody I'd worked with as a producer, said to me, I want you to do The Importance of Being Oscar, which is a one-person play, a very innovative one-person play written by the great Irish actor Michael McClearmore, whose dresser I had been in 1968 on that very show.
0: Oh, I didn't know that.
1: And so I, I said I couldn't. I just hear Michael's voice in my ear all the time. And O'Brien was absolutely persistent. He said, read it again. I think you'll enjoy it. So I I thought, oh, well, I'll I'll do it. And uh, I managed to avoid Michael's inflections completely because it's just a very well-written play. But more to the point, I absolutely rediscovered my love of acting. And... It was essentially because it was just sheer storytelling, but storytelling of such virtuosity. With you know, where you had to summon a character up in a phrase and then dismiss it, or perform the whole of the end of the picture of Dorian Gray as if it was a Victorian melodrama, and just and somehow hang on to yourself. That was the great thing: was not to Im- imitate or be influenced by Michael at all, but just to be myself telling this story to people. Myself, whoever that might be, you know, I mean, (laughs) I don't know, but uh, whether, I I don't know whether that would fall into the category of the personality called Simon Callow, or whether that was another self that I invented for the occasion. Mm. Um, But one way or the other, I got such joy, and that started me off on this long cycle of one plays and really uh, I've had such deep satisfaction from it and communicated with such directness with audiences and it, it's a very beautiful form I mean it's a very wonderful one, and of course pretty well the original form of theatre which is that the dramatist performed his play you know and many of these plays were adaptations of mine but many of them weren't. Uh, also, Peter Ackroyd wrote me a play, and uh, and uh, Johnson Bates, and uh, uh, but then I worked with, of course, Dickens on on many occasions, the mm. Mr. Chops and Doctor Marigold, and uh, the Christmas Carol, and and so on. And uh, um, I I think it's a, a very underrated form, and uh, I think it's. F- full of extraordinary richness. And uh, as long as I can, I'm going to carry on doing those things. and, and, And being an actor
0: will, I hope, be part of my portfolio, as they say. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thanks very much for your time, Simon. Thank you, Brian. Big thanks to Simon for his time. And for his show, which which was just a gorgeous whistle-stop tour through his career and life, really. And also touched on his thoughts on what acting is, you know. Which is such a big topic, of course. Um, And for someone to to try and encapsulate what their their career and life has been up to this point and talk about what is acting all within about an hour, it's quite a big ask. So it was fascinating just to, to watch that unfold and then to have the chance to talk to him afterwards about that and about other stuff. So I hope you enjoyed it. If you enjoyed it a tenth as much as I did, then you're doing well, because it was pretty magic for me. Um, And I'm really glad that we got the chance to do it. So we're nearing the end of Sheddenborough. Remember, as I said, you can get information on the shows that are upcoming tonight and tomorrow and the restreams at Sheddenborough.com. And that also means that as of Wednesday of next week, we are going back to our weekly schedule of podcasts. Hour-long conversations with artists, theatre makers, actors, writers, directors, you name it, um, on Scotland's Theatre Podcast. So, as of Wednesday, uh, there'll be a new episode every Wednesday with me, and uh, if it's not with me, who knows, it might be with somebody else. But I'm very much looking forward to it. I've got a couple in the can for you that I'm really excited about bringing out. And I'm going to take a wee holiday myself as well uh, in the meantime. But the episodes are ready for you and uh, we won't be missing any for the next wee while. So I suppose you could say we're into series two now. Um, So that's exciting. Uh, Episode 222 I think this is. Big thanks by the way to Elaine McNichol who's uh, held down the fort, guided the ship when I've not been able to and done a really tremendous job of it. I'm saying this as if we're at the end of something. We've still got um, the Sheddenborough Festival isn't quite over yet, but it's just because I'm back after a few days, uh, I'm kind of reflecting a wee bit. Anyway, big thanks to Elaine. It's been amazing what she's done, and uh, long may it continue. So there you go. That's all from me for today. Remember to go to Sheddenborough.com to find out what's coming next and what's on Restream. And until next time, I'll just say what I always say. Cheerio now.